The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And great to be with you again. Thanks for tuning in to winningponies.com. Hope to bring you another exciting show this evening. A lot going on in racing right now, good and bad. Uh, with us, our first guest will be uh, Dr. Tom Beckman, who is a large animal veterinarian in the Cincinnati area, attends to horses at uh, River Downs and uh, Turfway Park for the most part. <laughs> kind of an interesting gentleman. He also attends to the large animals at the Cincinnati Zoo. That's right. Even a giraffe uh, gets a hitch in his get-along every now and then, and they call Dr. Tom to come in and check him out. And then to, to handicap some of the top races in the country, and, man, it was hard this week to eliminate some races. They were starting to get into the meat of the summer and a lot of graded stakes races. It was hard to throw a few out. But Frank Anks from the Thoroughbred Times uh, will be with us. Uh, he's, a, he's a very good handicapper, excellent writer, uh, and he's uh, written kind of a uh, interesting interesting story that came out in the Thoroughbred Times, which, of course, comes out twice a month now. I got my inaugural bi-monthly issue last week, and they wrote an interesting story about the future of the National Thoroughbred Racing Association, better known as the NTRA. So uh, Frank will be our second guest. We'll talk a little bit about that subject, and we will talk about some handicapping. Well, uh, little did I know that as uh, we were recording this show last week that uh, within a few hours of of closing out the show that uh, racing would lose another rider. Uh, It was at the Alameda County Fair. His name was Jackie Orhe Herrera. Uh, The next day, flags flew at half staff at a moment of silence preceding the national anthem for him. He was only 33 years old, and he was killed in a racing accident, Uh, ironically, it was the first at Pleasanton since Juan Gonzalez, exactly 37 years to the day in 1975. Uh, he was a native of Jalisco, Mexico. Uh, they say it was massive head injuries when his mount clipped heels shortly after leaving the half-mile pole. They, from all reports, he went down very, very hard and was thrown right on his head. Uh, the medical crew that trails the riders and the ambulance was on the scene immediately. Uh, they were quickly joined by the track physician, Dr. Peter Wong. He was rushed to the trauma center nearby Castro Valley, but pronounced dead just two hours after the spill. Uh, Herrera was the 152nd jockey killed in a race since 1940, according to uh, Terry Meeks, who's uh, been on winning ponies with us in the past. Uh, He's the national manager of the Jocks Guild. Uh, there's been 11 fatalities just since 2001, uh, the most recent being Mark Vila, a rider of thoroughbreds and quarter horses at Zia Park. So uh, condolences go out 
to the family of Jorge Herrera. Let's hope we don't have to lead a show with this kind of news again. Uh, luckily, uh, Jackie Jesse Garcia, who's uh, been pretty well known in the Midwest, and I know people down in Tampa know him very much, uh, he was injured Saturday evening at Presque Isle Downs when his mount flipped over in the paddock. So these accidents c- can happen anywhere. His femur was broken, and it looks like uh, he's going to be off for a while. Of course, um, Jesse, he's ridden over 2,000 winners, thoroughbred and quarter horse, uh, and a pretty well-known guy. Again, at 52, those bones get tougher to heal, so uh, we wish him the best. And it's just all the more reason why, in my opinion, uh, even though the Don Macbeth Fund no longer exists, uh, that we need to continue on with Jockeys Across America. Uh, it was something that was started years ago uh, by Judy and Chris McCarron and comedian Tim Conway. Uh, Tony DeFranco headed it up, said the way he passed away over a year ago, and the program kind of went away. So the Jock Skill, as we discussed last week, has picked this up and they're sharing the money with the Winners Foundation so exercise riders get it too. But I really think it's important that racetracks across the country don't let this go away. Uh, We really need to help support the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. Um, It's just a... Too bad that Mr. Herrera uh, won't be with us to share in the funds. Uh, he, he's no longer with us. Uh, hopefully, Jesse Garcia will benefit from it. But if you're listening and you work at a track or you've got some influence at a track, remind them the first Saturday in July should be Jockeys Across America Day. You can actually have a whole lot of fun. We did. We had a jockey's foot race out front uh, before the first race, and that was an absolute blast. A lot of bragging rights going on, and, uh, of course, a couple uh uh, dinners at uh, AJ's Roadhouse were on the line, and uh, it was a good time had by all. Speaking of Chris McCarron, uh, he stopped by uh, River Downs uh, earlier this week uh, with uh, about uh, six of his students, kind of showing them the ropes, uh, gave them the jockey's room uh, uh, look at to see what goes on behind the scenes, got to meet Clerk of Scales, uh, Felix Chavez. Uh, then we took him up into the press box where we met our stewards. I got to listen to Pete Aiello call the race, uh, just to let them know that this is the, the world they're going to be living in, uh, hopefully someday. And again, uh, Chris's school, uh, the North American Racing Academy, based out of Lexington, uh, is open to people who maybe don't want to be riders. You just want to learn horsemanship, uh, possibly be a bloodstock agent or work on a farm. Uh, you know, so uh, you might want to check that out if you've got a kid that's interested in horses or riding. Uh, so good news on the jockey front. I don't know if you're watching last night, but uh, Mario Gutierrez uh, took home the ESPY award. Uh, of course, he's voted on by the fans. Uh, the regular jockey of I'll have another. Uh, I must say the Kentucky Derby has a little bit to do with the SB because uh, the fact that uh, he has won the SB award in 10 of the last 11 years, whoever won the uh, Kentucky Derby. Okay, well, now we do know uh, the price on I'll Have Another. It has been announced that Japan's Big Red Farm paid $10 million for the breeding rights to the Derby and Preakness winner I'll Have Another. Paul Redham uh, confirmed that. Uh, he said that uh, there was another offer out there for $9 million from a Japanese farm, but he went ahead and, and took uh, the $10 million, uh, from Big Red Farm. Uh, 
As stated earlier, the United States showed far less interest. Redham actually said with just two written offers, one for $3 million and another for a half interest plus nine lifetime breeding rights for $2.5 million. Uh, by contrast, the offer from Big Red was $10 million, uh, with another farm bidding just under that. As you recall, uh, I believe it was a... Uh, um, Announced last week that Bodie Meister's rights were uh, sold in the U.S. for $13 million. And uh, he was the runner-up. So, uh, you know, Paul Redham, uh, taking him over there, uh, wishes he could stay in the United States, but the interest just wasn't here. Um, speaking of, uh, I'll have another. Mario Gutierrez, I'll have another. And the whole uh, crew uh, paraded out at... Uh, Hollywood Park, Betfair Hollywood Park, I should say, um, before the, the crowd it was very appreciative, and then they went back to O'Neill's barn to kind of spend a little time with them. Uh, I'll have another scheduled to begin quarantine on Tuesday. Uh, he's going to be sent to Japan uh, later in this month or perhaps in early August. And with uh, the brouhaha, the Triple Crown out of the way, um, Doug O'Neill said, hey, just go ahead, give me my 40-day penalty. I'm running out of money. This gets expensive uh, trying to fight it. It was for a total carbon dioxide overage from the 2010 Delmar meet. It goes back that far. Uh, he wanted to fight it. Uh, he can't figure out why some horses get it through their system faster than others. Uh, his assistant, Leandro Mora, will run the stable. And uh, O'Neill, he's not uh, allowed to be uh, at the track or to be given training instructions, from what I understand. So he said uh, it's something he didn't wish he had to do, but it's going to give him a chance to pause and see ways in which I can approve. Well, while talking about Super Mario, I guess uh, a lot of people at Del Mar uh, weren't really uh, crazy about riding him all that much. He was only riding a couple horses uh, every day, even though people recognizing the skill this guy's got uh, through both the uh, the Derby and the Preakness and the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, it looks like he's going to head for familiar places. He's going back to Hastings, believe it or not. If you think about it, through Sunday, uh, Gutierrez had only won six races from 70 mounts, while leading jack Rafael Bayerano had won 70 races from 231 mounts. So it is tough to break into established jack's colony, but they do say that... Uh, you know, he's going to do just fine when he gets back to Hastings. They got him lined up uh, with, with stakes races at, at Northlands Park, Hastings, and Emerald Downs this summer. Uh, just to recap, he's a native of Mexico, 25 years old, began riding in Southern California last fall. Uh, one of the leading riders at Hastings, uh, yeah, you know, Redmond O'Neill saw him and said, we like this kid. They're trying to talk him into staying, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, well, some more news on the racing front. Another star we might not see for a while. Union Rags won't race again uh, this year due to an injured suspensory ligament. Uh, they say the prognosis for return to the races is favorable should they decide to bring him back. That'll be a call that uh, Phyllis Wyeth uh, will, will have to make. But Michael Matz, the trainer, says I think there's plenty of more races in this horse. He's big, strong, and he'll be even bigger and stronger as a four-year-old. I hope he gets the chance to do it. Uh, he was diagnosed with a small lesion on his high suspensory ligament. We'll ask Dr. Tom Beckman exactly what that means. Um, again, you, you may recall he was the second choice in the Derby at 5-1, to one, had a poor start, finished seventh, skipped the Preakness, and came back and nipped Painter by a neck in the Belmont Stakes. They were pointing him to the million-dollar Haskell. It looks like that's going to be one heck of a race on July 29th. Of course, we'll be covering it here on Winning Ponies. Uh, he's won over $1.7 million. So, 
Best wishes to Union Rags. Well, the New York Times, they keep punching away at the sport of thoroughbred racing. They took a swing this week, but I don't think it landed. Uh, they uh, said that the headline was, Record Show Triple Crown Contender Had History of Ailments and that the colt was injected with two powerful painkillers as well as synthetic joint fluid. And they, they had all of his uh, vet papers because uh, O'Neill was under a microscope, and he agreed to get his uh, horse racing license in New York that he, he would uh, hand over all of his medication. Well, a couple of trainers chimed in. Uh, uh, John, John Kimmel, who's a well-known New York-based trainer and veterinarian, said that there's nothing that was done that wasn't on the up-and-up. And then uh, uh, Kentucky-based Dr. Uh, Forrest Northrop said all of these treatments are perfectly normal routine care. All these medications are used frequently in our peer-approved treatments. And then uh, Dr. Mark Cheney, a longtime racetrack veterinarian based in Lexington, said what was done with I'll Have Another was actually less than is done with some other horses. So, um, you know, you know, after the Belmont, or until the Belmont, rather, he was, he was given uh, electrolytes, vitamins, and medications that are commonly used on a regular basis. Uh, but the New York Times story, uh, absolutely blown out of proportion. The powerful painkiller, it was butte. How about that? Nothing better than a, a big aspirin to be known as a powerful painkiller. And, uh, you know, the other ones were ones that just kind of, you know, it helped you with, with, with breeding, uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, stuff that, that you and I take every day to get around the house as, uh, you know, we get a little bit older. And uh, a lot of people just said the New York Times really went out on a big limb uh, to make this, this accusation. Well, um, Former Horse of the Year, Holy Bull, he's been pensioned, uh, retired to John Abel Farm. Uh, you may recall that he was uh, undefeated as a two-year-old with uh, wins in the Grade 1 Futurity at three. Couldn't do it in the Derby, but still had five Grade 1 events, the Travers, the Haskell, the Florida Derby. His runaway victory against older horses in the Wood and the Met Mile was uh, just off Secretariat's track record, 146 and 4. Uh, 13 wins from 16 starts, uh, and he turned out to be a pretty good stud. Uh, he sired a Derby winner, uh, Giacomo, and uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, Macho Uno, who himself has turned into a pretty successful sire. He had 70% lifetime winners from starters. And uh, so, goodbye. He hasn't left us, and you can still go down and visit him at John Abel Farm to Holy Bull. Uh, looks like Jerry Crawford, who's been on winningponies.com, uh, he's got uh, plans uh, for uh, Doolahan and O'Prado again, who's back in training, uh, while uh, Doolahan uh, will be continue to race this year. They do plan to go over to the Dubai World Cup. He plans on bringing them both over and, and run as an entry. So uh, that's a, a look at a lot of the horses and the racing news. Uh, some good news out of Kentucky. It looks like uh, instant racing. You may recall we talked to Corey Johnson here on Winning Ponies uh, a few months back, and uh, they have really benefited from that instant racing, which is currently uh, being reviewed in Kentucky. And uh, River Down <laughs> Kentucky Downs is going to have a total purse structure of $2.4 million that's going to be dispersed during a six-day, yes, I said six-day meet. Uh, they run on a Saturday, Monday, Wednesday schedule over the course of two weeks. And the machines have not only been doing good for Kentucky Downs, but some of that money is going to spill over into Ellis Park. Well, so so much news. We're having a real hard time getting to a lot of our, our, our race results. Uh, we we did have the, uh, the the 
Calder need for speed. The, the big surprise in there was Trinenberg decided to stay with the three-year-olds, didn't take on the older horses, and ended up in an upset with Fort Loudon getting the win in the carryback. And a word is that those two horses may meet again in the King's Bishop later on this summer. But uh, any of the Calder races were all very, very exciting races. A few upsets, few favorites winning. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Trinenberg, that had to be the uh, upset news of the day. Well, go ahead and check on uh, your, your your favorite website to find out all the results of, of the other races. I know some of the ones that we uh, handicapped here uh, came home some pretty good winners, uh, thanks to our guest, uh, Steve Marsnack. Hopefully we could do just as well with Frank Anks later on. And, of course, the, the granddaddy of them all, I'd have to say, was a Game on Dudes, a performance in the Hollywood Gold Cup. Uh, just an awesome performance. Uh, now it's uh, you know back from Dubai, two in a row, the Californian. And uh, Richard's kid, who's a stablemate, ran a pretty game second. And uh, it should be interesting to see when those two may well meet later in the season. Well, that's about it for the world of racing, Cap, and what's in the news and some of the top races we looked at last week. Looking forward to our next guest, Dr. Tom Beckman from the Cincinnati, Ohio area. You are listening to winningponies.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, uh, a gentleman I see... uh, on a, on a weekly basis for the most part, and that is Dr. Tom Beckman, a, a proud graduate of Auburn University. I was kind of surprised when he gave me the information that he's been practicing for 
40 years, because if you saw this guy, he sure doesn't look like he's been out there that long. But uh, not only does he uh, treat horses in the Midwest, but I was watching the news one night, and I saw him at the Cincinnati Zoo treating a giraffe. He's also the on-call large animal veterinarian for the Cincinnati Zoo. So uh, with with that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Dr. Tom Beckman, you're with us, I hope. Yes, John, I am. All right. Well, Tom, as always, uh, you know, I, I, this this could be an hour-long interview with all the questions that are, that are spinning around in, in thoroughbred racing right now. But let, let's just start out with what's an easy question and a hard job. If there is a normal day in the life of a track veterinarian, Tom, what is it? How does it start out? What is your schedule? Uh, usually the schedule, John, is just getting here in the morning in various time for what you have scheduled, but usually it's anywhere from 7 to 8 o'clock. Some people get there a little earlier. It depends on what's going on, but mainly checking. I'm a private practitioner at the racetrack, so I just check with my clients, mainly the trainers who handle the horses, and see if they have any emergencies. And it's been great with the cell phone because uh, most time they'll call me ahead of time. But we're just checking on the horses, seeing any problems they have, and getting ready for the racing of that day, and then also treating the horses that will be racing in the next couple of days. And then there's always emergencies and sicknesses and respiratory problems that we have to handle. You just never know what might happen during the day. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been back there over the years watching you, uh, maybe talking, discussing, getting ready to, to, to work on one trainer shed row, and somebody will ride up to you on a bike or a scooter or whatever and say, hey, Doc, as soon as you're done here, can you come over and check out my filly? So I guess uh, it, it's kind of a predictably unpredictable job. It definitely is. Yes. Um, now, um, just to, to touch on this, you know, we, we've had we've had tracks close across the country uh, with, this, with this amazing heat wave. Uh, what what are the recommendations uh, that you have to, to trainers, and what are some of the things you can possibly do to assist a horse in in making sure that he doesn't get a heat stroke? Well, the main thing is condi- conditioning, and we see most of the heat strokes, and probably earlier in the summer when you first get that first heat wave. But actually, we're having less heat strokes than we did a lot in time past because there's a greater use of electrolytes to help the animal maintain its hydration. And the animal just has to be in good condition, has to be conditioned well for the heat. Um, on, on race day, is there anything special you recommend or that the trainers do to try to make sure it doesn't happen? No, actually, on race day... Most of your prep is done ahead of time. You have the horse fit and electrolytes in his diet. And uh, race day, we don't treat other than just with uh, the LASIK medication for race day. So there's not a lot you can do on race day. Some uh, One of the main practices after the race is to try to get water on. It's a very hot day to get water on the horse, and the track provides hoses there for them to ra- put on the horse after the race, try to cool them down in a hurry. Well, we've done, tried to do a very good job at our track with that this summer, and despite this amazing heat wave, we've had a very good knock-on-wood record uh, so far. Well, I, I know I hit you with a headline you didn't even know about, so I'm going to throw you a little curve here. Uh, they say that uh, Union Rags is on the shelf for the year. Now, he had two recorded workouts, and then the other day he had a breeze, and um a Maryland-based veterinarian says the prognosis for a full return to racing is excellent. Now, from what I understand, uh, he had a um, an injury to his suspensory ligament. Um, yes. 
and uh, it, it's uh, they, they they call it diagnosed with and, and what they did was they did an ultrasound. They said the horse was 100 percent sound, but they went ahead and did did an ultrasound, and they they found uh, a small lesion of his high suspensory ligament in his left foreleg. Can you please put that in layman's terms for our listeners? Okay, well, uh, ligaments, one thing, and most laymen know what ligaments are, actually have some anterior ligaments in the human that we all know about as the anterior cruciator, the ACL in humans. And this ligament in a horse, the uh, suspensory ligament, actually doesn't run through the joint. It runs behind the joints and the legs. And it's, the horse is unique in that it has a suspensory apparatus, what they call, and that enables the horse actually to just stand and sleep without using any muscle. This ligament is probably as part of that. And ligaments connect bone to bone, and there is some stretch in it, but it's but if it's slightly overstretched, you can get a little lesion in it. If I mean, I've seen them where they've actually been almost pulled in two. So a very slight lesion can be healed with time. Well, you know, they're, they're taping this knock. I don't know if you read the New York Times story yesterday. They tried to blow this way out of proportion, uh, uh, saying that the colt was injected with powerful painkillers. turns out that that painkiller was uh, <laughs> butte. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that th- at least three uh, other veterinarians uh, chimed in on it, and they said, you know, that the that the things he got were were very normal. There were things that you do for uh, synthetic joint fluid uh, to prevent gastric ulcers, uh, sometimes a sedation before a radiographic exam. Uh, I mean, these are things that you either perform or see on a regular basis, aren't they? Well, yes, we use an awful lot of butazolidin, and there are non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like butazolidin, which we are permitted to race on, you know, as long as we don't go above a certain level. And it's maybe a stronger aspirin. It's anti-inflammatory as aspirin is, and actually aspirin is used in horses also. So if you have a mild inflammation, yes, we use it to take that inflammation down. Well, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh market as a powerful painkiller, as the New York Times did. And the thing is, Doug O'Neill handed over all of his veterinarian information to the New York Racing Board so he could race there. He had nothing to hide. He's like, this is what I do with the horse. This is what the horse gets. And the Times takes it and blows it all out of proportion. Well, now I need to talk to you as a veterinarian about another issue that I think uh, is maybe blown out of proportion and I think could be very dangerous in the future to racing should uh, some of the people get their way, and that's folks recommending the elimination of Lasix. A, could you tell us what it is, and B, what's your opinion of you know trying to ban Lasix at racetracks? I think it would be the end of the sport. Actually, John, uh, Lasix has been used since the... Oh, late 1970s, and I was practicing, or actually was a track veterinarian at River Downs before that, and I used to see horses coming off the track, just blood gushing from their nose before we started using Lasix, and actually bleeding in the horse, I don't know if people understand it or not, but it's the technical term is exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, EIPH, and it's, uh, I'd say, 85% in studies of thoroughbred horses will bleed uh, at some extent without the use of Lasix or other um, allowable uh, drugs. Well, what would happen, A, if you took, let's say, a five-, six-year-old gelding that's been racing on Lasix for, 
for three or four years, you all of a sudden took his Lasix away. What might be the expected outcome? The expected outcome, it depends uh, actually on how bad a bleeder, what kind of uh, form he has. But you would expect, and I've seen it in horses that don't race on Lasix to start, and they say, well, we don't need Lasix. So they'll run a couple races, and all of a sudden they'll put in a bad race, and we do an endoscopic exam after the race and say, oh, yes, he's starting to bleed. Uh, so it may not happen in the first race or two, but then you'll see where the, you get to start some damage in the lungs, and then you'll see them start to bleed, and if you keep trying to race them, you could uh, have even more bleeding. Some horses, actually, when they first start to bleed, will just kind of give up and not run anymore. So it depends on the horse how, you know, how severe it would bleed. Well, as a practicing veterinarian at a racetrack and one that, that sees this uh, on a daily basis and treats it on a daily basis, um, what is your opinion of what's going to happen now where I believe they're instituting it this year that with the two-year-old stakes races and perhaps shortly soon after with all graded stakes races, uh, there will be no race day medication? Well, what are your personal feelings about that? Uh, my personal feelings are I wish they would go slower because they don't know what might happen. We, I don't think any of us knows what might happen. But we have been treating horses, like I say, for almost, well, 40 years now with Lasix. So the parents of these horses, these two-year-olds, probably were bleeders at the racetrack, or at least 75, 85, maybe 90% were bleeders, but it was controlled with Lasix. So if we take that drug away, we have these horses that are from breeding stock that probably bled, so we'll probably start seeing more bleeding. Well, I know you, you and I uh, spoke after after church a couple of weeks ago, and I said, don't you find it interesting that while uh, those in the ivory towers are shouting, why don't we be more like the horses in Europe, that as soon as the horses from Europe ship to the United States, almost every one of them immediately goes on Lasix. Yes, they do, and it's, uh, there's, European racing is a little different, too. Uh, we've been reading some articles, and uh, it's, we have a different type of racing, probably a little more speed here than some of the horses in uh, Europe, and we're coming out of the gate and putting an awful lot of pressure on those lungs right away, and they don't tend to do that in Europe. Over here, you, uh, I was reading one article where they said that we go out in a half mile in 48, and over there they might go in 54, so early part of the races, we're not putting as much pressure on them. Well, uh, again, that, that debate will go on, and as stated by you, I, I think we need to uh, go cautiously into these waters. I, I don't think all of a sudden you can just paint with a broad brush and say, okay, we're not using this anymore. Uh, I, I think it would be, be very dangerous. Um, and, uh, of course, everybody would like to run on hay, oats, and water, but I just don't think that that's, that's the reality of things anymore, especially when you have the advantage uh, to, to use uh, things like, uh, let's just say, uh, electrolytes or uh, uh, a drug that would help a horse that, that has uh, uh, ulcers, you know, or something that would uh, open constricted uh, bronchial airways. Uh, it, it seems to me if your little kid got sick or had asthma or, or, or if, if your, your, your father or grandfather had arthritis, you'd give him a little something to help him along. That doesn't mean he's going to win a 100-yard dash, but I just think it's the humane thing to do. It definitely is. I mean, it's, I've, so I guess I've seen the outcome without Lasix, and uh, at least once or two, one, two or three occasions I've seen horses bleed so much they stopped in a race and went down and were actually gushing out the nose. Now, they did survive, but 
how much damage was done to the lungs, it's it's not you don't know until you do a post mortem. Well, it's very interesting. Well, th- th- these are modern times. Uh, we you, you have tools that are lent to you now that I'm sure you didn't even have five or ten years ago. Uh, are there any new uh, equipment, uh, treatments, uh, medications, methods of, of caring for the thoroughbred horse that you've seen over the cat last couple of years that uh, are, are helping the breed? Actually, I think as far as uh, bleeding is concerned, I mean, we do use, like, antibiotics and clenbuterol bronchodilators, which will help just more or less keep the uh, lungs of the horse more or less cleaner. They are in a in confined environment and straw in a small, smaller stall than they used to being out on pasture. So we have to do everything we can to try to keep the lungs in as good a shape as possible. If they have an infection or something like that, they'll need antibiotics, which would be, the infection would be detrimental to the lungs, which could cause bleeding, and that could be one of the slight causes of it. And there are a lot of other things we use uh, for probably diagnosing. I mean, horses now are going through MRIs, which wasn't even heard of five years ago. And so we have almost the same tools that uh, the human orthopedic person has now. I, I've also understand that, that there are some horses and, and trainers uh, that actually use hyperbolic chambers. What's your read on that? Uh, well, after the, all the publicity in Florida, it's uh, I, I've heard nothing but good. That was a severe accident down there that you know didn't have to happen. I don't know this complete outcome of the study on it yet, but it definitely seems to help horses even in bleeders and and it helps in human medicine as far as quicker healing so uh i think in the right cases it definitely helps horses well that's fantastic now what is your read on acupuncture or some of these new therapeutic blankets i see some of the trainers using well acupuncture actually has been around for a long time i've known acupuncturists i've worked with them 40, 45 years ago, and I think that they do have a uh, role in the horse and, and acupuncture, chiropractic. Uh, they all seem to have their place, and even with massage now and just in helping diagnosings, I've seen some acupuncturists diagnose problems and treat problems that just our Western medicine hasn't been able to help. Yeah, I mean, I've actually watched uh, some people do the treatment, and it's almost as if uh, you gave that uh, that, that horse a, 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 a cup of tea. You just see this immediate, immediate relaxation. They just seem to, to relax so well from it, and I know so, some trainers absolutely swear by it. But, uh, well, I, I can see I'm up against the clock here. My producer's uh, banging his finger on the window, so I, I better conclude this uh, section of uh, winningponies.com. Uh, Dr. Tom Backlund, thank you so much uh, for being with us and continue all the great work you do on the backstretch. Thank you, John. Good talking to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Tom Beckman. Again, he practices in southern Ohio and northern Kentucky uh, for the most part, and he is just one class act that I can tell you, and I'm sure you picked that up during the interview. All right, when we come back, well, we're going to handicap a couple of oaks, and we're going to go a little farther out to Chicago where uh, they're having a kind of a nice uh, Arlington Million preview day. It was hard to kick any races out of that box. And then uh, we'll uh, cap it off with the uh, Grade 1 Man Award from Belmont Park. Our guest from the Thoroughbred Times will be Frank Angst. Stay tuned. You're listening to winningponies.com. Yeah. 
Flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from the Thoroughbred Times is writer and handicapper, Frank Angst. Frank, how you been? Pretty good. How are you doing, John? Well, as long as I'm in air conditioning, I'm doing just fine this last week. Gotten a little break on that. I, but, uh, I, I can't say I was fine on Saturday because I was running the Jockeys Across America Day silent auction, and I, I about dropped, but uh, somehow we made it through and uh, did make some money uh, for the PDJF and the Winners Foundation, so I guess it was uh, sweat equity worthwhile. Those are important causes for sure. Uh, absolutely, especially after you know what we saw earlier this uh, week with Jorge Herrera and yeah, Georgie Guerra getting hurt, and Johnny V. I guess he's on the comeback trail, but you know there's so many guys that that need to help. Sometimes we forget just how dangerous this sport really is. There, those are guys that have put their lives on the line every day, and uh, you just can't help but uh, saying a little prayer for them every day at the track that they're safe. You know, I, I give people behind the scenes tours at the track, and I bring them in the jocks room, and I show them a jockey saddle and the irons, and then the jocks are weighing in and out with just that little two-pound safety vest on and a helmet. And it's just like, that's all they got? I'm like, yeah. yeah. They don't know who just got that, but they've got to control a 1,200-pound horse, a whip, and look through four pairs of goggles. When they get muddy, they got to pull down. And nobody ever sees that stuff. It's amazing. And try to keep a guess on where the other uh, 10 or 11 horses are going as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, uh Last week, I got my inaugural uh, bi-monthly issue of the Thoroughbred Times, a lovely picture of Rosie on the cover, and you wrote an interesting story in there about uh, the NTRA, kind of where it came from, where it is, and if it might go away. I would just kind of capsulize the article for us, because I ran into some people last night that had some interesting comments about your story. Sure. It was really just uh, one of the rare times, unfortunately. I think it's fair to say, unfortunately, uh, rare. Unfortunately, rare that the industry really pulled together and and basically completely got behind an initiative to promote itself through the NTRA. Um, there initially were even discussions of doing more with the NTRA, having them function as a uh, 
actual commissioner that we might be familiar with in football or baseball. But uh, over the years, uh, just a lot of the tracks started dropping out. Just were not, when I say dropping out, they weren't supporting financially the NTRA as much as they initially did. And the NTRA, um, with those uh, with less finances to to uh, fund these programs, they had to cut back on on areas like marketing. Uh, there's n- there's n- really no longer a national marketing program from the NTRA. Um, they they do still have their co-op sales program of of uh, you know groups like John Deere and sponsors that go through that that tracks and members can buy products through, which has been successful. But uh, the uh, marketing and advertising on a national level through the NTRA are are largely a thing of the past for now. Yeah, it's so bad because uh, we were an NTRA track, and we're a small to mid-level track. And I remember Nick Nicholson himself actually making the trip up to talk to us when he thought we were going to balk, and I really admired him for that. And and so we bought into it, and really we, the first couple of years we saw the advantages of it because we were getting you know Madison Ave advertising uh, for our product, and all we had to do was drop in that we were an NTRA track. So you had, you, you know, the, the different commercials that they had. Some loved them, some didn't, but people remembered them. Go, baby, I mean, go. And, to this uh, day, you still hear people say, go, baby, go. So a- Absolutely, like you do. And, and it, it, it could make register. a small track like us that never could have afforded uh, a commercial like that to be able to get on board. And it gave a great look to our thing. And I don't know if people know, but they would, if we spent 100000 or more on advertising using their branding, at the end of the year, it was a 50% rebate that we got. And that was in addition to our dues, which I thought were very fair because they were on a sliding scale with the paramutual wagering that you had. So a River Downs wasn't paying what a Churchill Downs was. And I really thought that was a fair way to go about it. But when, when, they, when they pulled that aspect of it and then seemed to start selling things to us, Instead of selling things for us, uh, it was just it was hard to see what the dues were getting us. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean the, the tracks that I mean a lot of different tracks uh, have decreased their their support, and I'm sure each track has its reason. So I have to be careful to lump them all together. But in general, the the tracks that have gone the Racino route, uh, they have not supported the NTRA and. Uh, I think that that has factored into it on some level. Well, give me one reason to stay here, you know what I mean? I, I think what they need to do is go back to the original, reread what they wrote 15 yeah. years ago and say, you know, we had a lot of good ideas back then. Let's try that because they were good. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to stay on that point or ride that horse a, a, any longer. But it w- was an actually written article w- w- with pie charts, and I thought your insight was very fair uh, across the board. And uh, if uh, people can uh, you know, pull down the Thoroughbred Times or even better, subscribe to it, good-looking magazine, um, they'll, they'll get Frank's article. Well, what I, one of the reasons I got Frank here today is to, to help me unravel some handicapping here from across the country. Uh, we've got two very prominent Oaks races. As you know, Oaks are restricted for three-year-old fillies. And uh, we're, we're going to start with a race that's uh, drawn together some pretty nice horses over the last couple of years, and that would be the Delaware Oaks, Frank. Again, uh, yes. we see uh, even though you can put up $400,000, you can't always get a full field. Uh, but there's some interesting horses in here. Who'd you like? You know, uh, not to uh, spend too much time on a favorite, but that's where I landed. Uh, just Grace Hall, I, I've been impressed with her. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming she's going to be the favorite. I didn't have the morning line odds as of yet. But uh, 
I just like the horse's ability to, to to rate just a little bit off the pace and make a move. Um, I mean, she, she showed she showed that capability in the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Um, you know, rallied for third in the tough Kentucky Oaks field, and um, I just I mean, the layoff I guess is going to be a concern for some, but you know, back to back bullet workouts show me she's ready and. Anthony Dutro, I, I mean Tony Dutro. I just I have a, a lot of respect for him as a trainer. I think he's as good as they come. I, I think she's going to be ready for this. Absolutely, I, I do too. I, there's there's no doubt she's the one to beat. Hopefully, uh, people will try for, for uh, a, a try to end here, and I, I think that maybe uh, Dutro's other horse is going to break from the inside. Wicked Miss. Uh, maybe one you want to put underneath. Another one that uh, seems to have shown a real fondness for the Delaware Strip. Uh, she won the Gopher Wand easy, just drew off. And, and again, another one that has bullet works. And if I was going to round out my try, I'd have to say uh, another guy I respect a lot. And Jerry Hollendorfer's got a chance in here with, with a filly by the name of Via Villaggio that just seems to improve every start. There's quite a bit of speed in here, and I'm not a big fan of a horse that looks like a one one turn closer in some ways, although I mean she's one from close to the pace too. But I, I think she'll she'll be able to rally here. I can't see her rallying for the win, but I could see her rallying for second or third for sure. Well, again, you know when you when you got to stand out like Grace Hall, you got to look for a little something to put underneath. All right, let's go from one side of the coast all the way over to the other. To I'm still having trouble getting my arms around this Betfair Hollywood Park, <laughs> uh, of which this could be potentially the last meet. At Hollywood Park, sad to say, um, we're going to be going a mile and a quarter with these three-year-old fillies. It's the American Oaks, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars up for grabs, and uh, this time at least we got a field of nine going to post. Even Michael Matz is shipped all the way over there yeah. uh, with Colonial Flag. Uh, looks like it could be an, an interesting rematch of uh, the top three coming out of the Honeymoon Handicap at, at Hollywood Park with uh, Stormy Lucy. A lady Shamrock and my Gigi, and those three all seem formidable for sure. But uh, I actually landed on a different shipper that I suspect will be a bit of a price. Um, Re- Regalo Mia, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, she just really ha- seems to have the breeding for this distance. Um, by Sligo Bay, who's the sire of Bourbon Bay, who's just a distance dog out there in, on the West Coast. A cradle uh, graduate, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. And, um, I mean, I just suspect she has the breeding for this distance. I mean, she's shown talent uh, in her starts. Uh, she just missed by a nose in the Sands Point, uh, where she really put up some very nice fractions in the, the entire second half of the race, really. Uh, the notes say, note that she was four wide. Uh, she picks up Rafael Bayerano, which is interesting. I mean, she's shipping in. From Belmont with trainer Michelle Nei and Raphael, the local jock, gets off one of those uh, three horses fillies we were just talking about to, to ride this horse. Uh, I mean, I don't know the exact uh, dynamics of what happened there, but you certainly like having Raphael's uh, skills uh, for a race at Hollywood Park. Absolutely. Uh, another River graduate won his first race at River Downs. It always seems to go full circle somehow. But I, I like this filly a lot. Again, yeah, uh, with, with the uh, that Sadler-Wells uh, blood on top. And obviously, uh, M- Michelle Nehi knew something about this horse because uh, uh, this horse has made uh, six lifetime starts, all of them on the weeds. And with Raphael up to be able to stalk just off the pace, 
Could be a bit of an upset, 7-2 to two morning line. So that's a look. Again, a mile-and-a-quarter race, always a challenge for young horses. We will find out. But Frank, again, pointing out that the breeding can mean a lot in a mile-and-a-quarter race. All right, we've taken a look at the uh, young fillies. We're going to uh, turn the tables now. We're going to go to a derby, and then we're going to go to a classic in New York. You're listening to winningponies.com. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me from the Thoroughbred Times is Frank Angst. A guy I always like to see when I turn a corner at a local racetrack. He's usually got a smile on his face and a racing form in his pocket. Well, uh, over the years, uh, from what I understand, Frank's always had uh, some pretty good success on uh, Arlington Million Preview Day. Uh, A pretty solid day in its own right, quite frankly. And it was between the Stars and Stripes and the, the Arlington Handicap. Uh, it was it was awful hard to, to kick any races out of here, but this show's only an hour long, Frank. So yeah. uh, I thought I'd move to the American Derby because being a Derby, uh, it might bring a few horses that are familiar to our audience uh, sure. to the post. And I, I think uh, anyone that watched that uh, Kentucky Derby weekend, uh, Silver Max was just uh, couldn't help but catch your eye and. Uh, He's coming back in this in this race again with let's see he's up to a looks like a five race win streak now. And yes, I, I remember that day at Churchill. I was like, boy, there's a lot of speed in this race. So I went against him, and of course he went gate to wire and uh, <laughs> threw that pace handicapping out the window. So may, maybe I'm a fool going against him here, but and I'm going with actually a horse that he just defeated, Satchum Spirit. But I, I think the horse should be a good price here. Um, some good value. I mean, the horse has done nothing wrong. He's won two of four starts. He's improved uh, basically in every start. Um, and what I really like about this horse is in his last race, the one that Silver Max won, is he rated in fifth early, which he had never done. And then he made a big closing move to get second. 
So that always catches my eye when a horse seems to learn something new. Uh, Neil Howard, if you follow his career, he's typically not uh, interested in winning right away, although this horse won two of its first three starts. So that's telling you that, you know, this horse has some talent. And uh, I think he's well-placed here. Uh, there's a, as I say it again, there's some speed in here. Maybe it won't matter for a horse's talented as Silver Max. So I, I don't think Silver Max is a horse I'd leave out of a pick three or pick four or double, but uh, in terms of a win bet, I think I'm going to go with Satchum Spirit here. Yeah, and by the way, Neil Howard is a guy whose career I've followed. As a matter of fact, you'll never forget, you'll never believe where he started. <laughs> Say it. Yes, Little Old River Downs. Um, and I, you know, you talk about this horse rating in fifth. It may not have been Satchum Spirit's choice. Yeah, uh, because as you look at the trouble line, the horse was bumped, squeezed back, and then had to make its bid three wide. So uh, well, it could have been a know, very educational race for him too. And uh, it, this is also a fun time of year too, because you have horses that have done well on dirt suddenly moving to turf. Daddy knows best. Actually, is has quite a few turf races under his belt, but uh, people are going to be familiar with him from the Triple Crown Trail, and now he's going to go back to a turf race. So I'm sure he's going to uh, capture plenty of interest as well and uh, be fun to see how he does. Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, I, I like to, you know, Corey Lannery's in, in kind of a zone right now, exactly. and he's going to, uh, Neil's sticking with him at, with uh, Satchum Spirit. I guess the, the question mark horse in here, if there is, is his mm-hmm. daddy knows best, you know, yeah. because, uh, you know, he really uh, jumped up right after Christmas and looked like, wow, what kind of, you know, horse is this? Is Julian Lee Peru thinking about jumping on this horse instead of, uh, you know, all the others that he was offered? And then just ran a dismal uh, derby and Preakness. But out of the Asmussen barn, you know, you, it always has to be dangerous. And, and the fact that uh, half of this horse's races have been run on the turf and from the six starts, two wins, a second and a third, he, he could be the fly in the ointment. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, he... He's a talented horse. I really like this Sunland Derby. Really put together a nice stretch run. But uh, I'm not seeing quite as much accomplishment on the turf. Um, clearly, he's improved from last year. But uh, I, I'm really impressed with Silver. I'm really impressed with Silver Max and Satchum Spirit. It appears to be going in the right direction too. I, I actually think it's a good crop of three-year-old turf horses this year. Well, those two, quite frankly, I, I see those two dueling for the lead. Wow. Most of these other horses, in my opinion, will like to sit off it a bit. So you think he'll go back to his front-running style? Um, Satchel Spirit? Well be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I think the last time he got jammed right. up. But yeah. on the other hand, we know he likes Arlington for sure. I mean, that was a game effort, but we know Silver Max likes it. He's undefeated one-for-one one coming out of that last race. So Yeah. I'm kinda, I guess I'm hoping then uh, from the outside spot that he, he's just kind of learned something and, and doesn't necessarily go right to the lead. All right, well, listen, let's go to another grass race. We've got about five minutes left here. Uh, and Distance, they don't often run. It's a mile and three-eighths. It'll be on the turf at Belmont Park, but it is a grade one. 600,000 up for grabs here at, at Belmont. And uh, it brings together an interesting field. There, there's no, in my opinion, huge headliner in here. Yeah, I um. I went with a horse I suspect will maybe be the second or third choice in Newsdad. Um, he's really improving every start this year uh, until he ran. You know, he ran a clunker at Keeneland. Looked like he kind of got on the lead and wasn't sure exactly what to do, or just didn't appear to be his day. But uh, you know, he was the favorite that day. He's been the favorite in 
almost all his starts looks like all but one of his starts this year. Uh, the horse is clearly talented. Uh, it's got Bill Mott as the trainer. Um, I mean, he, he just seems like he's capable of running a big race here. He's been working very. He's been working steadily. And then I like two back that he showed a, quite a bit of speed. He was the second best worker of twenty that day. So I always kind of like that as a. And then just the he did that. Not it, it, you know the workout pattern to me shows that he's ready to win off a bit of a layoff. Um, Treasure Beach. Uh, He's got owners connected with Coolmore, and it looks like they're probably trying to, to repeat the, the route that Cape Blanco ran last year. Also, a son of Galileo who just came over and dominated and ended up winning champion honors. Um, and th- this was a race he won last year. And uh, it looks like they're trying to replicate that with Treasure Beach. So I suspect he'll be the favorite. Um, Did Cape Blanco go from here to Arlington? Uh, I mean, very possibly. That That's what Cape Blanco did last year. Right. And uh, Treasure Beach won at Arlington last year, so I would think so. Uh, he won the Secretariat. But the reason that I'm not quite on board is when he won that Secretariat, he went in there with very good form. I mean, he had just ran uh, close second in the, in the uh, Epsom Derby, won the, the Irish Derby, ran a nice fourth, uh, you know, and then he comes in there and wins that. Um but this year, you know, his two starts in Europe have been ninth and 14th, which, you know, obviously the European horses have been better on turf traditionally. But to take a favorite, you know, I would just like to see a little bit better performance this year. Uh, you just, I think maybe he needs this race. Well, I think he should have stayed in Europe. I mean, those last two starts were in Hong Kong and Dubai. Oh, I'm sorry. That can take yeah, you out of your game, you know. Here, John. I'm just like, yeah, thanks for straightening me out, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Obviously, well-traveled and, and in great hands. Uh, uh, you know, Aiden O'Brien seems like everything he touches these days turns to gold, and I am a huge Galileo fan. Well, I mean, he, he's uh, as good a sire as they get. Yeah, a- abs- absolutely. Well, uh, Frank, I want to thank you so much uh, for being on with us. I look forward to bumping India at a racetrack near you sometime in, in, in the near future. And, uh We'll continue to read you, even though it's every other week. Of course, uh, we can get on the Thoroughbred Times uh, on the uh, on the internet. Anything new we need to know about the Times? Um, yeah, just uh, people are excited about the new format coming out every other week. It's going to be some longer, more in-depth pieces. Uh, just something uh, it's going to be completely different from what you get on our daily coverage. So people are excited about that. All right. Well, I'm excited about having you on the show. I look forward to reading more of your work, and I hope you're Horses come home in front. That's Frank Anks, ladies and gentlemen, from the Thoroughbred Times. Well, that pretty much takes up another winningponies.com. I feel like I'm in the summit of speed because this was a sprint. The show went very fast. I want to thank Dr. Tom Beckman, and I want to thank Frank Anks for being with us. I want to thank you for listening. Remind you, these shows are on podcast. Share them with your friends. Call them up in case they couldn't get here to tune in. So I want to thank everybody involved with winningponies.com. For the record, I'm John Engelhart, racing's regular guy from atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.